Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, and I'm going to read some verses to you. Today's a weird sermon. I, you know, I maybe say that every once in a while, but today's just kind of a weird sermon. It really is. It's a, I hope it's a good sermon. I hope it's got something for all of you, but it is just a little bit different. The Lord is just leading me in some thoughts, and, and I just want to share these thoughts with you today a little bit. Paul was talking to his church that he had planted there in, in uh, Corinth, and uh, you know, it was a struggle for him. Uh, he was struggling. And these are some of his thoughts that I want to share with you today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he said this starting in verse 10. And I'm going to read from the message. It just kind of makes it a little clearer for us. But let me read it for you. I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. And here's the words I want you to hear. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another. Cultivating a life in common. Bringing this up because some from Chloe's family brought a most disturbing report to my attention that you're fighting among yourselves. Now, I'll tell you exactly what I was told. You're all picking sides, going around saying, I'm on Paul's side, or I'm for the Paulus, or Peter's my man, or I'm in the Messiah group. I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up in little pieces so that we can each have a relic of our own? Was Paul crucified for you? Was a single one of you baptized in Paul's name? I was not involved with any of your baptisms except for Crispus and Gaius. And, getting, and, and on getting this report, I'm sure glad I wasn't. At least no one can go around saying he was baptized in my name. Come to think of it, I also baptized Stephanus' family. But as far as I can recall, that's it. God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, least the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. Well, not everyone who says that they are a follower of Jesus is really a follower of Jesus. I'm not being judgmental. I hope you understand that. I don't have any intention of being judgmental today at all. Jesus even said that, that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And what he meant by that was not everybody who who claims to know me is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I was in Tijuana, Mexico. Anybody ever been there before? Tijuana? It's a strange place. I'm not sure I'd want to go there today, but back then we were in San Diego, so we went over to Tijuana. And um, we were shopping around on the streets. That's what you do in Tijuana. You shop around in their little stores. And I'm walking around, and it's like one of my first times to ever be in a country other than the United States where they do weird things like that. It's just weird. Darcy loved it. She thought it was like, oh, this is like home. I feel good here. You know, it's like she's from Brazil, so, you know, it doesn't count. But I was walking around there going, man, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble here. You know, this is just probably not a good place for me to stay too long. But I was looking in the shops, and I noticed they had Rolex watches like for 12 bucks. And I was like, that is so cool, because I mean, they're thousands of dollars back in the United States. 
And they had those, you, ever, you guys know what a Mont Blanc pen is? You know, they got the little white top on the end, and they're really expensive, like $200 to buy a pen. You know, the refills are like, you can get them at Staples, and they fit in your gel pen at normal. But the, the pen part is like expensive. And I mean, like $3. And I was like, this is so cool. I love Mexico. Yay. And, and so I got to looking at them, and I realized they're just fakes. They're cheap. And you knew that. I mean, you know, obviously, I figured that out pretty quickly. And there are many people who I meet who seem like Christians. They have Christian-like things going on. When you look at them, they have stickers on their cars. They use the right language. They sing some of the same songs. Maybe they even listen to Caleb, and they hang out in churches. But with closer inspections, we find out that they're really fakes. They're not really what they say they are. They're not the real deal. Now, in Romans 12, too, we've been looking at that over the last several weeks. We've brought that up, and I'm one more time. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we read about being transformed, about being changed, about being transformed. This word transform is the translation of the word. It's a Greek word called metamorph, uh, metamorphume, metamorphume. It, it's the same word we use to say metamorphosis, okay? It's a metamorphosis, and, and, and it's the word used also in Matthew 17, 2, and Mark 9, 2, where it talks about the transfiguration, where Jesus metamorphed or morphed into something different than what he was, where he became like light, and he was transfigured into a place, and he met with Elijah, and he met with Moses up on a mountain. And Paul was exhorting the saints to change their outward experience and their outward expression in this verse when he says to be transformed it means to change your outward expression of who you were before you were saved an outward expression which is to proceed from inside of us which is to proceed from our hearts it's to truly represent who we are inwardly to the outward our outward expression should truly represent what's going on in our new divine nature. I've been changed. I've been transformed. It's not something that I just do. It's something that has changed inside of me that has caused me to be different. Now I represent that on the outside. It's not just a new sticker on my car kind of thing. It's a rooting out of that which was rotten and dead. It's chopping out that which is bad and installing that which is new, replacing it with something brand new. The word transform is used in, also used in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. Here, it's the translation of a word that has the opposite meaning to metamorpho, uh, metamorphome, and it's the word, and it's a Greek word, metaschematio. And it's out of the same word. It's the very same kind of word, but they add a little different ending here. And this word means to change one's outward expression by assuming from the outside an expression that does not proceed nor represent one's true inner self. In other words, the exact English translation of that word would be masquerade. Anybody here ever go to a masquerade party? You know, you put on a mask. You pretend you're someone else. My youngest son, Stephen, loves to dress up. He's weird. I hate dressing up. But he loves to dress up. He loves to put on costume. He loves to come. If we have a masquerade party here at the church, if he doesn't come any other time, he's coming because he likes to get dressed up. He especially likes to dress like a pirate. He says that all the time. I'm not a pirate, but I like to dress like one. So anyway, he's masquerading. It's not the true him. It's not really who he is. The word means to change the outward expression. It's what a lot of people are doing. They're masquerading. They're putting the fish on the car. They're playing Caleb. 
They're, they're going about the game of playing Christian without having been changed on the inside. It's the reason why people are leaving church in droves today, because they never really found out what it meant to be changed on the inside. They didn't have that transformation that made them brand new. They never met Jesus the way that I have. And we need to grasp this. Just praying a prayer of salvation, just going to church, just putting a fish on your trunk, just knowing the church lingo is not what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm not trying to get anybody to, to doubt your salvation. That's not the point. But I want you to know that that does not make you a disciple of Jesus. It's a masquerade if you have not met him and if you have not been transformed. There are a lot of people both in the world and the church, who have said the prayer, they've been baptized, they've joined the church, they're not seeking to live out the life of a disciple, though. They have not come to the place where they're obedient, and that's what a disciple is. And a, disciple, a disciple is obedient to the voice of Jesus Christ, to the commands of Christ. They're not living out the life of a disciple. They're not genuinely committed to being obedient and following Jesus they have not experienced the absolute incredible transformation of their hearts. They have not abandoned the kingdom of the world for the kingdom of heaven and God. Many people who I meet who call themselves believers are literally as comfortable in the world and its culture as they are in the culture of the kingdom. In fact, I would go so far as to say that I've met a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are more comfortable in the kingdom of the world than they are in the kingdom of God. Many Christians are living by the kingdom of the world's standards and values. People who call themselves followers of Jesus. Think about it. We make our decisions. Listen to me carefully here. This is so important. We make our decisions based on worldly influence and knowledge. We behave according to the world's customs and behaviors. Our core values Maybe you have never sat down and written out your core values, but you have them whether you know it or not. Your core values, my core values, oftentimes are little or no different than those of the world. And we're using the world's values and standards to run even the church. You think about what I'm talking about there. Let that sink in. I think this is totally understandable because we are born citizens of the world and not of heaven. And we're born with an acclamation towards self and selfishness, not an acclamation towards heaven and the kingdom of heaven but if we've been transformed if jesus christ has truly come to live inside of us he if he is taking out that which is old and replacing it with something brand new if we have been transformed by the renewing of our minds then the world should become less and less and less and less our home it should start seeming a little foreign to us paul's dealing with all this in first corinthians in his letter to the church, he's planted in the area of Corinth. It's a worldly church in a Roman province, and it's, it's difficult at best. I mean, I think that most of us would probably fit in closer there, though, than we would with some other places with the kingdom of heaven. We would understand it. It's a lot like the world we live in today. And, and they're dealing with the influences of pagan society in their world. And they're dealing with the fact that many and most of the Christians in Corinth have never really gotten their feet down solid spiritually. Paul was there with them for about a year and a half, and he, he did the best that he could, but 
first of all, they're starting out from scratch. There's no grid for Christianity. There's no grid for, for understanding who Jesus is. And Paul's done an amazing job, but they have not yet transformed. They haven't had their metamorphosis. They haven't had that change yet. And their value systems are skewed to the side of the world. And in their world, as in ours, there's a need for this transformation of the whole person. See, we need way more than just a statement of belief in something or someone. We need more than a change of belief that will leave us as we are. We need to get, just so that we can get into heaven, but doesn't really change who we are. The Corinthians were struggling, as many of us do, because they're living with the wrong goal in mind. See, I think that here is a key and I want you to get this. Our main goal, it seems, is to check the box that will get me into heaven. A lot of us are, are coming to church and doing the things we do because I want to go to heaven someday. Now, don't get me wrong. Anybody here that doesn't want to go to heaven? I mean, I want to go to heaven. That's important. But it's not the reason for my faith. Our main goal ought to be, listen to this, to attain to the full measure of Christ or to become fully like Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Be disciples. Being disciples doesn't mean that I behave in a certain way so I can go to heaven. Being a disciple means that I behave and become like Jesus. I'm transformed by his love in my life. I'm transformed. I'm made into a brand new person. Now I start behaving and I become like him. When people look at me, they should be able to see Jesus. That's what he's telling us. To be transformed from the inside out. So when we begin with the wrong goal in mind, we're going to get the wrong results. We're going to end up in the wrong place. Always do. If you set out to go to Michigan and you get out a map of Ohio, you're not going to get there. It just doesn't work that way. Well, you might get there, but it's going to take you a lot longer. You're going to wander around a while before you make that left-hand turn. So we need to begin with a goal of transformation of our whole mind, our whole life. So Paul wrote this letter to the Corinth church to correct and to exhort them to be transformed. That's the goal that Paul sets out to accomplish. And the very first thing he speaks to them about in this letter, and understand that the book of Corinthians isn't really a book at all. It's a letter. It's being written to uh, these people, and he's written this whole lengthy letter out for them. And, and the very first thing he speaks to them about in this letter after he greets them is divisions in the church. It's divided up. Now, I've got to tell you the truth. If something is really bothering me and you and I go out to dinner and we sit down to dinner, hey, how you doing? It's good to meet you. Now, I've got to talk to you about something. It's the very first thing that I want to deal with is what is bothering me the most. I want to get it out on the table. Let's get it done. Let's, let's deal with this. He is about to explode. Paul is about to explode over this situation so you know it's serious business. And I want to say first off here that Paul has no thought that the people of Corinth are going to ever agree on everything. That's not what he meant here when he starts talking about not having division. He doesn't have any idea that they're somehow going to start believing in, in all the details. They're going to just agree on every little detail. I mean, right now, if we'll go out into the parking lot and walk around out there, I'll show you how much you guys don't all agree. Some of you are driving Fords. What's wrong with you? And some of you are driving Chevrolets. And others of you like Dave Harding, has a Cadillac, you know. I mean, come on now. And there's a few of you driving around in Hondas and Toyotas and, well, there's probably a lot more than a few of you driving around in Hondas and Toyotas and whatever. And, and then there's people in Chryslers. <laughs> well, you know. But anyway, there's all kinds of people out there, and we all agree on different things, and cars are one of our ways of showing our personality, who we are. We all drive different things. Some of you drive cars for some reason. I mean, why wouldn't you have a truck? 
That makes no sense. But, but we're all different. For instance, another one. When we say, where's your favorite pizza place? About everybody in Muncie's going to say, thank you. Royal Feast, right? I mean, for the most of you, that's what you want, right? Some of you like Greeks, the meat lovers. Anybody like Greeks, meat lovers? I mean, that's a pretty amazing pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I have an affinity towards Art's Pizza in Anderson. It's much better. Amen. Amen. Those of us who grew up in Anderson know the truth. It's just who we are. We're all different. We all grew up differently. We all like different tastes. We have different things. So we need to know that Paul isn't trying to get everybody to say, oh, let's all comb our hair the same way. He isn't trying to get us to agree on every detail in life. However, Paul knows there needs to be unity on the essentials. We got to get into unity on the essentials. There must be a unity on who saved us. We have to have unity where our heart and our passion and our goals lie. The problem in the disunity in the Corinth church was that they were bragging, and this seems so silly to me. I really does, and, you know, and I'll talk to you about it in a minute here. But the problem is that they were bragging about who it was that baptized them. Now, I mean, do you remember who baptized you, most of you? You know, I've baptized some of you, and others, you've been baptized other places. I got baptized by a guy named Roland Dunlop. He was my pastor over in Anderson. I had never been baptized. I was getting ready to take my first job as a youth pastor, and I said, yeah, I probably get baptized. You know, that's kind of important. So he was, uh, uh, he was in his office one day. I walked in there, and I said, hey, could we go out to Clegg's pool, and, and you could just baptize me. They're friends of ours. And, and so we went out to Hallie and Earl Clegg's pool, and I got baptized. And I don't remember much else about it. I never even think about it. It's not a big deal to me that Roland Dunlop, it's not like, hey, I'm better than you. I got baptized Roland Dunlop. I don't think like that. But what they were doing was that they were using it as a symbol of status and importance and honor. I was baptized by Paul. Well, I got one up on you. I was baptized by Peter himself. And they were walking around like that. Well, Apollos baptized me, and he's smarter than Peter and Paul both put together. And on and on they went. And they were using the names of the one who baptized them to elevate their status in the community and in the church. And what the church had effectively done was split up in groups. Well, you had the Paul group over here. You had the Apollos group here. You had the Peter group over here. And whoever else, you know, the riffraff that didn't get in on the good stuff over there. And, and it, you know, all these different groups all split up inside of the church. Like silos is what we call them now. They were people who had gotten into one little group and they, they didn't even associate with each other because they were better than everybody else. And they were basically basing their faith on the preacher rather than on the one he was preaching about. I'm going to heaven because of Paul. I'm going to heaven because of Peter, Apollos. And they were arguing that they were more spiritual and that they had more understanding than the others based on who was preaching the night they gave their heart to Jesus. It's crazy. I mean, sometimes I hear people do that a little bit still. I mean, I'm not putting anybody down, but, you know, I went to Billy Graham crusade. I was saved with Billy Graham going to point it out there. Not me. That was other people talk like that, you know. I think I was saved about eight times in there, so I'm not sure which one to give credit to, you know. Basically, they had become followers of Paul and Peter and Apollos and not Jesus, and their goal was to attain, was to gain prestige and recognition rather than to be transformed into the image of God. I'm Paul's convert. I like his preaching. I'm Peter's. I'm a convert of Apollos. And they were living as the world would live because that's what the world does. The world bases their worth on and value on experiences and on things that they own and things that have happened in their life. 
So they began to deal with jealousy and envy, and they were quarreling over who was right. And Paul was appalled by this, and he said to them, why are you acting as mere men? Because you see, once we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we're not mere men anymore, or mere women. We're people filled with the Holy Spirit. We are different. Let me say that again. We are different than the world. So there's a couple things I want to process through with you today. Number one is Paul was not called by God to go and collect a following for himself. That's what the scripture teaches. He was not called to go get a collection for himself. He wasn't going out to collect up a group so he could walk around and say, I have a group. He did not go to Corinth to get people to follow him. He didn't go to Corinth to get help or or get together a group so he could say, look at my church. He didn't go to Corinth to gain people's admiration and approval. He didn't go to Corinth so he could write on Facebook and say, I got 200 people in my group. You hearing me? He did not go to Corinth so he could say, we gave out shoes to the poor today. Paul did not go to Corinth to build up the church of Paul the Apostle. He did not go to Corinth to get any recognition whatsoever. He didn't care about that. He went to Corinth for one reason. He went to Corinth to help people be transformed from the inside out into disciples of Jesus Christ. That's it, period. And we have to be careful as people who are people of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, that our motives and our goals, especially when it comes to the church, are pure and right. See, this is not and never will it be your church. This is not and never will it be my church. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. This church is not the property of the board, the pastor, the district, Dr. Roland, our district superintendent, or the Church of the Nazarene. The church is being stewarded for Christ by all of us, as he calls us. And we better be very careful what we take from the church. Our end goal, our motive, must always be Jesus Christ and becoming just like him and leading others to Jesus and becoming just like him. These days are not a whole lot different than the days of Paul the Apostle as he was addressing those people in Corinth. Today, people have a tendency to be attracted to personalities. There's a huge personality and celebrity cult in the church these days. Let me explain that to you. If we're not careful, we're following one of these personalities and focusing on becoming like them and not like Jesus. The reality is I don't believe any one of these celebrity pastors and leaders ever had a desire for celebrity. I don't think they went into the church to be a celebrity. I don't. Paul wasn't there to be a celebrity. Peter wasn't there to be a celebrity. Paulus wasn't trying to be a celebrity. They all understood that that celebrity personality wasn't enough to transform a person, change them into what they need to be changed into. None of them were worth following by themselves. They couldn't even get you to heaven if that was the goal. If you follow Paul, Peter, through Acts, you'll see their struggles. They were mere humans with all the struggles we all face. Did you know that Paul got in a fight with one of his fellow pastors, Silas? They got into a knock-down, drag-out kind of fight, broke up, went separate ways. He had to go find another partner. It's right in the Bible. If you don't read it, you should so you can find out these things. It's pretty juicy at times. Then there was Paul. He had to admonish Peter 
for being less than he was supposed to be. Peter had had this incredible vision where God had told him not to call anything unclean that he called clean, and, and then Peter wouldn't go eat with Gentiles anymore because he didn't want the Jews to think he was hanging out with Gentiles. And Paul went to him and told him, you know, what are you, stupid or what? You know, it's kind of slapped him upside the head and told him to quit it. Had to do that. See, they both knew they were just humans, and their focus was on making disciples, bringing people under the lordship of Jesus. And if you follow the celebrity in the church today, inside the church, the Christian church today, pastors, you'll see that all of them are just humans after all. Every one of them. There's some great guys out there, but they're all just humans. There's some great ladies out there, but they're all just human. And, and many of them have fallen, and I'm not here to put them down. I've got to tell you the truth. If we put our focus on a pastor or leader, though, for our salvation, it will let us down. I don't know about you, I've been following Bill Hybels this week, and it's horrible, the things that have happened and that they're saying. Perry Noble, he had a stumble. Mark Driscoll, his whole church disappeared after his, and Rob Bell. And you know what? Every one of those guys are great guys still. I believe they love Jesus. I believe they failed, but I believe they love Jesus. And they wanted to do what's right. But see, if you're following them, you're in trouble. If those guys were Jesus to you, you're in trouble. If he's the only place that you got your eyes focused, you're in trouble. They all had a failure. If you're a disciple of Bill Johnson or Andy Stanley or Mark Batterson or Craig Groeschel or Joel Osteen or, or Mark Dill, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, huge disappointment. Because we'll all stumble along the way. They're not done yet, none of those guys, and, and, and they may fall yet. Even Billy Graham wasn't perfect. I promise you, maybe it didn't all come out, but he wasn't perfect. None of these pastors can transform your life, even if they were. See, I have nothing against what these guys are and teach, and I'm, I think they are genuine disciples of Jesus, each one of them, and I don't think that you should never listen to them. In fact, it's quite the contrary. I encourage you to get on their podcast and start listening. There's some good stuff out there, and you can grow and learn if you'll get on it and listen. But our focus is not to become like North Point or Bethel Church Reading or Life Church. Our focus, our heart must long for Jesus. He's the only one we're longing for. We want to be like him. God has put you and me here at this place called Muncie First Church. He's called us to unite together around him. He's called us to become disciples. And he's called us to be the church for the city here at Muncie. He's called us to be the church for the city, a city church, city church for Muncie right here. He's called us to change our little world here for him. And he's called us to be a family around him, focusing on becoming his disciples and helping others find their way to becoming disciples, not focusing on my needs and what I want and whether or not I like. He doesn't want us spending our time on that. Get your eyes on me, he says. And to accomplish that, God has placed a pastor here and a team that is seeking to spearhead and lead us to that end goal. And if that pastor, which is me, or others decide to make it about themselves and getting people to follow them, then they need to be removed and God will see to that along with others. It can never be about me. It can never be about following me. There should never be a pastor cult anywhere. And if any of the leaders of the team choose to refuse to be discipled and disciplined, then they should be taken out of leadership. Because we're all under the authority of Jesus Christ and the authority that he has placed over each one of us. Every one of us. 
Our mission is to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples of people and for Jesus. God did not send me to go gather people for my kingdom and my glory. It's not me. Paul writes, for Christ did not send me to baptize. Paul was not saying baptism was wrong. He was not saying I shouldn't do baptisms. Of course you should. I mean, that's what we do. He said, in fact, the Jesus, Jesus said, you know, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey. Paul was simply saying, I wasn't sent here to collect a following for me. It's not about me. It never will be. I, was sent, I wasn't sent here to collect statistics. I wasn't sent here to grow a church business. I was sent here to preach the gospel, not to be clever and funny, because if I'm doing it about me, and if I'm doing it based on my personality, then I'm doing it wrong, and it's going to fail. I was sent here to call people to Jesus. I was sent here to help people become disciples of Jesus. Now, the second thing I want you to, I want to talk about for just a minute, and I'm not in any way telling you what to do here. I'm just telling you my convictions here on something. You may notice that I have not been posting things like our baptisms. I haven't put them up on Facebook. There's some that got up, but it wasn't me or the church officially doing that. We didn't post about giving away shoes. That was a really awesome event, but we didn't put anything up about it from our church. Did you know that our church does a breakfast for the guys at the Muncie Mission every Sunday morning but one a month? And that one, we have another Nazarene church who has helped us do that one, or two actually. It takes two churches to do what one of ours does. But uh, anyway, um, we do that every Sunday. In fact, if you're not involved in that right now, we could use your help. You know, you don't have to go necessarily. If you want to go, you're more than welcome. But we need people to help supply and make sure that all it gets taken care of. And if you're interested in being a part of that, see Al Holdren. He'll be glad to talk to you and help you get figured out on that. And there's a lot of other things that we do. We as a church are not sitting here without uh, going out and doing stuff. We do all the time. And we're going to do more. We're planning on getting more and more and more involved in the community. You know, yesterday was Christ Fest. That was amazing. I wished all of you could have been there. That was awesome. People down there singing, praising Jesus in Canon Commons. Good food. Al was on the cooker, the Holy Smoke, in the Holy Smoker. That's actually a, an organization that Bob Ball down at Blood and Fire, or whatever they call it now, is doing. And it's, it's awesome. It was just the coolest day. We were involved. We need to get more involved in community things like that. But, see... I don't post those things on Facebook. And I want to tell you why. I know other pastors post things like that. And I'm okay with that. I'm not judging. But my conviction is this. This is what we're called to do. Why would I post stuff about what we're called to do? That's just what we're supposed to be doing. If we're not doing that, we're not even doing the minimums. You understand that? That's the minimums. I mean, it'd be like you going to work and say, fix that car today. Well, you're supposed to. You're a mechanic. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what God's called Muncie First Church to do. Go make disciples in the city of Muncie. And I don't think we need people's applause to do what we're called to do and should be doing. We should just be doing it because it's the right thing to do. I don't have to applaud. I don't need applause for doing what God called me to do. And you don't either. I'm working for the well done by Jesus. That's my desire. One of these days I'm going to walk in and he's going to say, you remember that time when you... No one else was there, just you. Good job. And I'm going to go, whew, he noticed. That's what I'm working for. That's what I'm working for. 
So I know it's kind of a weird sermon today, right? Kind of weird, and you're all sitting there going, what in the world's wrong with him today? He got up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, you know, I am a little tired, but that's not why I'm preaching this. See, church and preaching is very serious business. See, it's very casual. Most people, they're like, oh, I'll go if I feel like it. I don't go if I don't feel like it. I'll change. I'll go over here. I'll do whatever. It's not that way for me. See, I really believe that this is God's church. I really believe we are his bride. And I really believe he wants a bride without spot or wrinkle. I really believe he wants, a, wants disciples, people who become like him. And I believe that Jesus made it so this is true, that through the church and the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel that we do, people are saved. I've been really mulling that over in my head because Paul said, I come without persuasive words or wisdom. And what he was saying is, is, it's not about what I say and do. It's not about me preaching the right sermon so everybody goes, oh, wow, I've got to get saved. It's about Paul saying, Holy Spirit, use me. And in the foolishness of what I say, change people's lives. I've been commanded by Jesus to go make a disciples, and so have you. When we got saved, when we accepted him into our heart, that's the command to all of us, and, and it's not an option. He's not saying, hey, if you feel like it, well, you got time. You know, part of our life should be going around, making friends, getting to know people, inviting them to church, inviting them into the life of a disciple. It should just be what we do. If we're not careful, we slip into the role, though, and I struggle with this at times, of salesperson, trying to convince people of what is wrong and what they need to do to get saved. And that is not what we are called to be. We are not God's salesmen. We are God's hands and feet. We're his love. We go out to people and it's not trying to convince you. I don't need to argue with you. I don't need to get out on my knees and beg and shake. I just need love. Paul says it very clearly in chapter 13 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when he writes to them and he's in the middle of his letter and he's writing about all this other stuff and then he goes, and let me tell you how it's going to get done. That is not a marriage chapter as we sometimes read it, although it doesn't hurt to treat and practice that in your marriage. But it's really about, hey, here's how we change the world. We just love them. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, God's power is more than enough to change lives. Right now, you're not going to accept one thing I say to you. I promise you this right now. You will not accept one thing that I say to you by my power. It's the Holy Spirit who does all the convicting and all the conviction and changing of the person's heart every one of us right now i can pray and preach and yell and scream and pound this pulpit to death it won't change anything but when the holy spirit moves and he moves best when i'm loving you not with human words not with persuasive words but i need to preach the cross of jesus Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. Everything that could ever be done for you has already been done. He went to the cross. He died for you. It is finished. Accept it. That's all we have to do. And Christ through others has transformed me. Man, I tell you what, that message has resonated in my life. And somewhere along the way, I said yes to that and it has changed my life. I am not the same. I'm so thankful today. I read today someone was saying, I have hit the lottery of life. I know 
I was born an American and I know Jesus. <laughs> I'll go at least to that. You know, I am thankful for my country, but I'm most thankful that I met Jesus and he has transformed my life. I believe that Christ through your faithfulness and your love can transform others. And I believe that Christ through our faithfulness together as the church and as the bigger church with all the other churches here in Muncie will transform Muncie. When we get together, when the church quits fussing with each other and puts their arms around each other and says, eh, we don't agree on all the details, but we agree on Jesus, and begin to go shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, arm around arm, we can make disciples, and we can see God transform our city, and it will be together. Amen. Aren't you glad for his great faithfulness to you today? Isn't it great? I'll tell you right now, if you haven't experienced the transforming love of Jesus, spend some time praying, just asking him for that. He'll meet you right wherever you're at, and he'll change your life forever. And when he changes you, it's never going to be the same. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for being faithful. And I love this church. I just want you to know that. I hope I didn't beat up on anybody. I was just trying to love you. But, you know, sometimes it gives us sermons that are just a little bit harder to preach than others. And, uh, but I believe in that. I believe in the unity that we need to have here. And I believe that God is moving. And I believe that we need to get on board and catch that wave. And let's move forward with it. And uh, let's become all that he wants us to be. I really encourage you, find one of those small groups. I know that, you know, you're saying, oh, he's advertising. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, that's where discipleship happens. That's where we grow, and that's where you can help others. Get into one of those small groups. Find a place. Plug in. If it's Sunday morning that you can do, and that's it, then there's Sunday school classes and small groups here. Sunday night, Friday night, there's all kinds of things happening, places for you to plug in. Get in, okay? Let's be a part. Father, right now, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have. Lord, may none of the things that we do, the programs, the youth group, the children's programs, all the stuff that we, may none of that be for our glory. May it all be for the glory of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. May it be advanced and move forward. And may our small groups, may all the things that we do move us towards loving you more than ever before so that we can see our city transformed by the newing of its mind and brought back under the lordship of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Go in his peace and his love.